Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. What are some of the barriers to family engagement in underserved communities? How can using technology help educators better engage with families of English language learners? How do we go about changing mindsets and perceptions of families who may not have had a positive experience with formal education, or for those who have had limited education in U.S. schools? We discuss these questions and more in our conversation with E.J. Lin. E.J. is the founder and executive director of Talking Points an educational technology company whose mission is to drive student success in low-income, diverse areas through building strong partnerships across parents, schools, and communities. As she mentions in the episode, Hee was influenced to start the company by her personal experience as a young Korean immigrant living in London. We get into that and much more in our conversation. Let's get started. Okay, so welcome, Hijay. Happy to have you here with us on Highest Aspirations. Um, could you start by telling us a little bit about what sparked your interest in improving family engagement and education? Yeah, absolutely, Stephen. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, talking points and my interest in family engagement really came out of my personal experience of growing up as a Korean immigrant student um, in the suburbs of London. So I moved from Korea to England when I was eight and went to a local public elementary school, which was full of immigrant students like me. And I saw that my own mother was able to engage in my education and make a difference because she had a voice. Um, She was able to help me with my homework. You know, she knew what it meant Uh, when a reading packet was sent home and when there was a permission slip to be handed in. Um, But I also saw that, you know, many of the parents who I, of the children that I was friends with, um, they could not do the same. Um, And the effect of it was that, you know, many of them struggled through school. Um, When I was able to kind of have the trajectory that I did. Um, And, you know, when I reflect back on that experience, the difference between those friends and myself wasn't necessarily intelligence or effort, but it was just more about how my own mom was engaged in my education. Yeah. So like many uh, great entrepreneurs and educators, I would say um, you went had an experience and you went about trying to solve it basically. So with that, tell us a little bit about um, Talking Point's tech solution to this, this very human-centered challenge. Why text messages and how do you go about translating them into over 20 different languages? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I can tell you a little about talking points first. So teachers and school administrators use a web and mobile application to send a message. The parents get in uh, text messages. And now, as of very recently, a mobile application in their languages. Um, messages can be about you know what students are learning in class, how parents can support learning at home, and updates on student behaviors. And then parents can reply in their own languages back to the teachers. Um, the two-way translation goes through human translators through a crowdsourcing application that's on both web and mobile that we built on the back end. Um, and then, you know, messages are also censored and prioritized depending on the sender, the content of the messages, and how time sensitive it is. Um, and then we use the human-generated data to train the internal translation engine so it improves over time. We also use uh, machine translation like Google Translate. And eventually, our grand plan is to ask parents to be volunteers in this translation process since you know, many, many teachers and many parents are doing this anyway. Um, and we're excited to explore kind of more in this area. Um, and the why text messages, you know, we chose text messages when we started the work three years ago because more than 95% of low-income families have access to unlimited texting plans or a basic, basic mobile phone. We wanted to maximize for accessibility to be able to serve, you know, everyone, including those who are the hardest to reach. Now, since, since then, we have expanded. So earlier this year, we just launched a mobile application for families as well. And it really came from the demand of teachers and families, which we see as really encouraging because it perhaps means that the tech accessibility issue is not so much of a big issue as when we first started off with the work. That's great. A lot to unpack there. Um, I, I just, I think it's wonderful that you're, it sounds like your basis for this is human translators, which I feel like um, helps uh, sort of gain credibility among people who maybe don't trust machine learning. But then there is that, um, there is that machine learning piece that learns from what the, um, the, the human translators are doing. And then uh, I love the idea or the grand plan, as you called it, of eventually um, using parents. There's certainly a lot of research out there that shows that um, engaging families in this kind of way can not only help, in this case, you know, improve translations and, and provide a service to the school, but also basically increase the family engagement and then um, help the students be more successful. Um, and then uh, the, the text message question, I, I, I did want to ask you that question so that you could answer from your perspective. Um, but I was involved in a um, in a in the creation of an online course uh, about family engagement at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And one of the things that we learned was that text messages were a very accessible um, technology, for lack of a better term, that parents had access to. And you mentioned ninety five percent have access to it. So I think that's great. You kind of got into my next question, which um, which was about how um, you know you're you're sort of constantly evolving as you learn from. Um, your partners who are schools and parents. Are there any other future plans that, that you're looking into as you move forward here? Yeah, absolutely. And we're really excited about kind of our future plans here. So when we first started the work, 
where the idea behind Talking Points really came to be was by looking at what are the barriers to family involvement and engagement in the underserved, diverse communities we work with. And if you think about, you know, language and tech accessibility being one, the other side of the coin is about mindsets and perceptions and the knowledge and skills for both on the educator side as well as the families to work together and for the families to support their children's learning and feeling empowered to do that. Um, and by that, we really mean, you know, in these communities, a lot of the family members and parents are not as educated or perhaps they did not go to school in the U.S. Um, and because of that, I feel more lost or less empowered to make a difference even though every family member we believe can really make a difference in their children's learning so and the same with the educators so a lot of the teachers um, don't necessarily get the training or professional development around family engagement let alone uh, working with families in these you know lower lower income more diverse communities so you know, our future plan is to be able to tackle um, knowledge and skills building. Um, so by that, we mean increasing both the teachers and the family's capacity to be involved, to form partnerships and to work together. Um, we are doing this within the platform. So to be able to give content and personalized advice that's timely, that's relevant, and that's actionable, but within the context of their day-to-day -day, uh, workflow. Um, and again here, we're confident that we can personalize this using artificial intelligence and natural language processing, so it's more specific to that teacher or the family member. And if I can give you a real example, you know, the, the advice would be depending on who the student is, how they have behaved in the past, what the topical conversation between the teachers and parents are, and what's been learned in the classroom as well. So if, if we can detect that there is a homework assignment due next week and can suggest to the parent what actionable steps they can take to help the child so that it's handed on time. So we're excited about uh, excited about this school year, and we'll be releasing a pilot version, um, more of a beta version of this, um, in time for the eighteen nineteen school year. That's great, and I love that you started that whole piece off with the idea of mindsets and perspectives, and that you brought up parents' mindsets who um, may have not had the experience in United States schools or have limited education in general. But you also brought up the teachers, and I can tell you myself, as a, as a longtime foreign language teacher, I, I had really essentially no training in family and community engagement. And if you had asked me when I first started teaching how important it was on, a, on the scale compared to other things, I, I probably wouldn't have given it that much importance because I was a high school teacher. And it pains me to say that, but that's, that's the truth. As time went along, I started to learn how important it was. But that was only anecdotally for me. So I love that you're attempting to tackle that, those mindset issues. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we, we, we are so empathetic to teachers. I mean, you're so busy and there is a hundred million things going on in the school day and, you know, family engagement does make a difference, but it's often, you know, not to do with the classroom management or your day to day. So um, I hear you on that. So I want to shift the focus a little bit to um, kind of hone in on English language learners. Um, 
you know, as well as we do here at Elevation that, you know, we're seeing a, a, an increase of English language learners in a lot of communities that aren't necessarily accustomed to su such linguistic and cultural diversity. I think in some places, this is not a new thing. You go to Texas or California um, and, you know, people are relatively accustomed to it. And I'm generalizing some. But some of the districts that I've worked with here in the Northeast and on the East Coast in general are really seeing a huge influx. They don't have a lot of training. Um, people aren't really thinking about um, family engagement with, the, with this population, and they don't even know how to do it. So I'm curious as to how um, Talking Points as, as an organization is, is, is working, or are you working to mitigate some of those challenges with sort of a lack of experience of working with these demographics? Absolutely. And, you know, where we're, what we're observing in these schools, or at least in terms of where a lot of the demands of Talking Points comes from, is in these schools where the student demographics are changing really fast, but the resources or the experience and the expertise haven't quite kept up to meet these demands and the changes. Um, as you mentioned, you know, teachers are not given at least enough training or coaching to work with these families of diverse backgrounds and in fact you know we have seen that many teacher training programs rarely address family engagement as a topic at all um, and we also see english language learner teachers or our department heads are often tasked with playing this role um, and again like immigrant or refugee students also come with trauma that is not well understood at the school level. Um, it just means that the, the barriers that I mentioned before to family involvement are starker and the infrastructure is not in place to address the changes. Um, talking points, you know, our kind of our vision is to really step into this role to play the bridge and be a resource for these communities. Um, the the way that teachers and families can really connect across language and technological barriers um, to see partnerships build and to see the difference that those partnerships make. Um, it, is changing mindsets and the way the main channel through which these mindsets have changed is you know parents knowing that schools are actually welcoming they they invite the parents to be involved and to attend events um, it's also changing the mindsets of parents who might have had not such a positive experience with the schools growing up themselves and it's 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 the underlying thing, the empowerment and change in perceptions and mindsets that they can work together, and it's the fact that it makes a difference. Yeah, and I think it's so important what you mentioned about some, you know, we we just we mentioned before, maybe parents not having a lot of experience in American schools or not a lot of experience in education in general, but perhaps people having sort of had bad experiences. How do we bring those people back in and give them a uh, a comfortable? happy experience. And it sounds like that's, that's part of, um, of, of what you're trying to do. And to sort of add on to that next question, and maybe or that last question, and maybe take it to the next level, I sort of pose that question as a challenge, right? That like, okay, there's a school district, um, let's say in New Jersey, that has this influx of English language learners, people don't know what to do. Immediately, the mindset of someone is, well, this is a huge challenge I have to overcome. So my next question is, how do you think we go about from your perspective, changing that idea of a challenge into, wow, how wonderful is it that we have students from 20 different countries here and make it an asset-based situation? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the, the reality of 
the US and the, the US and in all communities across the country is that the country is becoming more diverse. And you know, if you if you think about a community like Napa, uh, so we work with Napa County of Education, and it's something like in grade 12, let's say 30%, 30 to 50% of the students are uh, non-white and mostly Latinos. Um, in the pre-K classrooms, it's actually 90%. So what that means is 12 years later, if you fast forward, 90% uh, of students will be you know, not white and most likely their families will not be English speaking. So I think the, the cultural and the linguistic diversity that a lot of communities are experiencing for the first time would become an asset because it really think, prepares for the students for, for the real life um, and the increasing diversity of the country. So the more they are prepared to work in such such environments and situations and know how to culturally translate and work with um, and be friends with and be in a community that is diverse. I think that will be a real life skill and asset to be had in, in the workplace or going forward. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, it's one thing to, to show people statistics about how the demographics are changing and what the world is going to be like in 20 years. It's another thing to put everybody together in the same room and and take advantage of the fact that we have this wonderful diversity um, and see people working together in novel and um, innovative ways that will then translate into future success. And I think we're starting to see that. And the more I think we can share those examples and amplify them, um, the better off we're going to be. Yeah. And I think the, the kind of the last piece there is it, it, it's it it should be reframed as an asset. Um, I think it is definitely a challenge, but the, the, the quicker and the better prepped that these schools or the communities can be, the more future proof and you know, future ready that they will be. Absolutely. So I wanna, I wanna zoom in to um, some, some specific kind of uh, anecdotes for lack of a better term. When we spoke first, I hope you remember this, you told me a, a wonderful story that, that serves kind of as an aha moment about the importance of family engagement. It was centered around a, a Chick-fil-A in Georgia, which sounds kind of <laughs> funny, but I think you, were, you remember telling me that story. And I think it's well worth sharing with listeners because it can really give us kind of a concrete example of how this works. Could you, could you give us a, a, a quick uh, summary of that story that you told me? Yeah, of course. So we work with... Um, a teacher in Georgia, and she is an English language learner teacher um, at a local elementary school. And she shared with us this story, which is heartwarming. So thank you for the opportunity to real tell the story, which I love. Um, she basically goes to Chick-fil-A every other day. It's one of her favorite restaurants, and you know it's very local to the school that she works in. And when she started communicating through talking points and engaging families of her students in the school, she actually realized that many of the family members and parents of the students were employees of the Chick-fil-A branch that she goes on. And 
she didn't without talking points she wouldn't have realized that relationship and i think uh, the story goes that now she goes to the branch and gets a lot of freebies <laughs> and uh, you know without talking points she would not have realized um, that these employees that she interacts on kind of almost a daily basis were actually parents who are you know who are engaging or at least trying to engage in 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 their children's education um, and kind of closing the loop there and for her to tell the story to her students is also very powerful because for her students it's almost closing the loop um, on on school and home and uh, and research shows that being able to not having to navigate um, the school versus home environments. Um, by that, I mean really bridging the school and the home um, for students is actually a, a, a critical kind of driver of creating a successful learning environment. Absolutely. I'm, I would not um, have let you left this conversation without, without telling that story. I just feel like it's such a great um, example of how technology or a tool or something can help us bring people together and help us, um, I don't know, I think really not miss opportunities to connect with one another. And when community members and people from the school start to get to know one another, teachers, parents, students, et cetera, um, everybody benefits. Yeah, and I think on a but big picture level, you know, relationships drive a lot of you know, our motivations. It's also been shown that it, it drives a lot of student learning, helps them learn faster, helps them feel more comfortable, and yeah. Great. So I want to talk a little bit about um, school and district culture. And this is a question that I that I ask people frequently, sort of it seems no matter what the topic is. So in this case, we're talking about family engagement and English language learners and a tool that has proven to be very effective to, to facilitate those relationships. But, you know, having worked in a couple of districts myself, I know that that school culture can 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 change or can be different from district to district. What role or what um, what what effect do you think that school culture has on this work and and what adjustments do need to be made to school culture in order for to make a tool like talking points work yeah absolutely well the, the, let me let me start with examples or the common factors of where we see it work the best um i think school culture often come from school leadership so when school leadership the administrators make family involvement a priority and a priority that is constantly communicated that has metrics around it that has a plan then adoption of talking points and building relationships and that transformative school environment where students can learn um, works the best now in schools where there is a culture of uh, not not being able to experiment or try new things um, and and be comfortable with the fact that this might be a long longer term investment 
then I think the the upside of talking points has frankly been more limited. Um, and the reason being, you know, increasing partnerships and working together with families and helping change those mindsets and building those relationships, it doesn't change overnight. So when it comes from the school leaders, we are making an investment into family involvement um, through talking points so that a couple of months down the line or even next school year, we will see a difference. Then that's kind of the cultural shift I think a lot of school administrators um, need to keep in mind. Yet another common denominator in most of the conversations that I have is just the the, the crucial importance of uh, effective school leadership and um, long-term planning. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well. Yeah. And, and the last part, um, thanks, Steve. The last part I would add to this is really thinking of families and parents as partners um, and thinking of families being on the same team and this on the same page uh, to get the students to succeed with the same goal. Um, if it's a school culture where, you know, family involvement because of certain state or federal regulations, or at least in the case of California with LCAP, which is a kind of a state a mandate to involve families, um, which often leads to schools maybe thinking of family involvement as uh, quote in quotation marks checking the box um, then you know I think the the effect or the upside to family involvement has been pretty limited so really deeply believing in the value um, is also important but it's also something that doesn't change overnight yeah that's interesting so I take from that that there's like there's kind of two general camps there's the camp where um, a state or a district has a has a policy in place that says you know you must do these things to, um, to for family engagement, kind of a compliance piece. Then there's places where there's not much there, but perhaps there's some really passionate people that are doing that work. Both both can kind of um, can can cause problems, right? It can be a check the box thing with compliance. We see that with English language learners in general at times. Mm. And then uh, in, in the areas where you have just a few people who are really passionate, kind of these rogue folks who are going and doing these things on their own, you have the danger of it not kind of being a systemic um, uh, program. And so the common denominator seems to be a culture of understanding, like you said, that parents, uh, for our families in general, are going to be uh, partners and must be partners for the success of the, of the students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, do you find that schools in general, really understand what effective family engagement looks like? Or are they looking for kind of a comprehensive solution that you talked about earlier in terms of changing mindsets? This is an interesting question. So, uh, you know, some, some do. I think some really understand what it looks like and are looking for partners to execute on the plan. Unfortunately, many schools or districts don't necessarily have the capacity to uh, innovate their practices and understand or um, understand what effective family engagement looks like. So either the work that we do with our school and district partners is 
at least be a thought partner to help them think about their family engagement practices and how technology can play a role in it, especially for the families who cannot make it to events at school because of transportation or childcare um, uh, issues and you know logistical constraints. Now, we have also seen where schools and districts come to us essentially for compliance reasons and then see the effect or the changes that Talking Points has made or building those relationships and educating the parents has made in classrooms, um, which then really transforms their thinking around, oh, actually, it's not just a check the box item that we need to do it actually is transformative and makes a difference um, in in everyday operations um, so to give you a very you know simple but powerful example one of the schools here in the bay area in east bay so oakland unified who's one of our district partners um, one school increased the number of field trips that they went on by threefold and the reason being the, the biggest constraint in the last couple of years was parent chaperones uh, but because of talking points and because of the relationships being built they are able to recruit more parent chaperones to go on more field trips and kind of extend and expand the horizons of the students what a great example and that's something that everyone can see and everyone more importantly everyone can feel you know speaking with um, Stephanie Cuevas in a previous episode, whose works uh, does a lot of work um, for on family engagement with the Harvard Graduate School of Education. She actually just defended her um, PhD thesis recently, and one of the things that she was saying was, you know, there's there's all this data that says that family engagement works, but when you go to a school that is doing it right, you just feel it, and that mm -hmm. came that came from a, 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 a you know a really kind of hardcore researcher, and to hear her say you know, yeah, a lot of it's research, a lot of it's data, but a lot of it's just feel. So I think that's really important. And certainly when you see that parents at field trips and yeah, you collect the data and you see that there's three times as many, but when you see them all together, um, that, that's, that's going to be a pretty great observation, a pretty great feeling. And I'm sure, um, makes you all feel good about the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally hear you on, you can feel it. You, you can feel excellence in whatever field I think and you really feel a collaborative exciting and supportive school environment when when you see it done well great so I want to transition to some um, some questions about resources that you'd recommend to people as we as we come to a close here the 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 first question I want to ask you and this is always a hard one for people so I'll warn you um, is there a is there a book or any other resource that uh, has had an important influence on you in this work, either personally or professionally? I see. Um, I think the, the resources, this is a difficult question. Um, the resources that we turn to, you know, you mentioned, I think, Karen Mapp, um, Harvard Kennedy, or Harvard Education School earlier. We also look at Color in Colorado, um, which doesn't necessarily cover Colorado um, on resources around English language learners. Ultimately, it, the biggest resource we rely on is our own community, um, our community of educators and families who can give us feedback. Um, and, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice, if I may say so, um, that we have learned and we have earned in the last few years in doing this work is really listen 
to the families um, who who often don't necessarily have the voice or feel empowered to demand certain things, but know what the community needs and know what their students need. Um, they just need the channel to voice those opinions and, you know, allies um, to to be able to work on it. So I dodged that question a little bit, but the the resource would be communities. I don't. I don't think you dodged it at all. I think that's totally. <laughs> It's totally fair. Maybe I should rephrase the question. I guess I do say resource, right? Because that is the most important resource that you have is the people that you're working with. And in this case, um, I imagine that they don't have a, um, a, a lot of outlets to speak with and, um, and they certainly have a lot of knowledge to share. Right. Yeah. So in closing, I, I want to make sure that we give you an opportunity to tell folks how they can learn more about your work or get in touch with you at Talking Points or just learn more about the products. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a website. Um, the website address is talkingpoints.org. So it's actually talkingpts.org. Um, and, you know, anyone who are listening to this podcast who want to learn more specifically about the future work around, you know, teacher professional development and parent education, you can also email me directly at hej. So that's H-E-E-J-A-E at talkingpts.org. Wonderful. Well, with that, I really want to thank you for your time and for sharing um, some information, not only about what you're doing at Talking Points, but just some, I think, some really valuable information about what it takes to do family engagement well, particularly with the with the uh, English language learners that we, that we both work with pretty frequently. So thanks for taking the time. I look forward to connecting again in the future. Amazing. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.